Hallelujah. All those watching by way of live stream today, we welcome you into our service today. And we believe that as the presence of God is here, we believe the presence of God is right there where you are. Hallelujah. As you, as you worship, as you hear the word. Amen. Thank you, Father. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. That's his nature. Wow. Are you wowed by God? <laughs> Hallelujah. Never lose our wonder about who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to continue to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Great things are happening at Heritage of Faith. Amen. Excited. Next week, I think about 20 years, 20 years ago, just a couple weeks ago, the Lord Jesus visited Miss Carolyn, Miss Savelle, spoke to her and said, you've had things all over the world, offices all over the world, ministered all over throughout different continents of the world. And, and she says, there's hurting people in your community. I want you to love them for me. That's why we're here as a church. That's why we're here as a church. There's hurting people outside these walls. Love them for me. In just a matter of a few weeks. You know, some people, when they, the Lord speaks to them to start a church, they take a long time. Like, we're going to plan. We're going to prepare. We're going to build a team. We're going to do all these things. But I think it was three weeks later, Hair of Faith had their first service. Amen. Being quick to obey, right? And so next week, we'll be celebrating 20 years as a church. Amen. Amen. 20 years as a church and excited about that. And, and so just, just to remind you, uh, you can come casual. We'll have one service next week in the parking lot uh, at 10 a.m., followed by a picnic um, with, with chicken and all sorts of stuff. You know, you know, we can't be at church if we don't have chicken, right? You know, it's like, you know, it's <laughs> the gospel bird, right? You know, Chick-fil-A, it's, it's the Christian restaurant, you know, it's. You know, uh, <laughs> hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You know, so also next week we'll be having baptisms as well. And so if you, if you would desire to be baptized or, you, or any of your children or family want to be baptized, you can register online for that and excited about that. We'll do that immediately after our service and, and they'll give you more information about that later in the service. And also today is Thrive Groups as well. And so they'll also bring our Thrive Group leaders later. But I'm ready to get in the word. How about you? Yes. Hallelujah. Well, for, man, I think since... The end of June or July, I, I started a series, and, um, you know, it's, you know, I listen to Dr. Seville a lot, and I listen to Keith Moore a lot, and, and, and you listen to Keith Moore, and he goes, part 27 of, <laughs> part 14 of, and, uh, and so we're still talking about revival, and that's what I dealt with was revival, and, and all through it, just, and I'll continue to say it today, sowing seeds of revival, and uh, I, I want to transition in, change, in changing the title of the series from Revival to something that just kept burning in my heart a, a couple weeks ago. Um, Dr. Savell, our, our apostle, our founding pastor, was here a couple weeks ago. And, and uh, we were talking in the back room, and he came out and he, he, and he said something uh, while we were in the back room, and he said it out here during the service. And he, and he said this statement, and 
It was something that he, he is, has stood for for a long time and believes in the last days. And, and, it, and, it's, and he said, and he said that part of the scripture says, in the day of his power. Can you say that with me? In the day of his power. Say it again. In the day of his power. Let's say it one more time. In the day of his power. And, and, and so go to Psalms 110, and I'll read, read this in a moment. And, and so when he made that statement in the back room, he said it when he came out, and as well as that night um, when he did his apostolic meeting on that Sunday evening, he said it again. And you know, I went to bed that night and woke up several times through the night. And every time I woke up, I kept hearing that phrase, in the day of his power. In the day of his power. I woke up the next morning and just, I thought, in the day of his power. All throughout the, that, uh, that next, the next day, in the day of his power. In the day of his power. And in Psalms 110, we'll read this. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, And the Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies my footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Roll thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. Now let's read this scripture together. Verse 3. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. Now, I'm not going to unpack all three of these scriptures uh, this morning and there's going to be, the Lord has an assignment and it's going to be in weeks to come that we'll talk about this, but I want to lay a foundation for where, where we're going to go in this, because I believe in the day of his power. Can you say it with me one more time? In the day of his power. You know, a minister a lot of times will have you repeat things. Why? Because I want you to have that in your thoughts like it's in my thoughts. I want you to have that in your heart like it's in my heart. Because where faith is in your heart and in your mouth. And you will never step into something that's not in your heart and in your mouth. Faith brings the will of God to pass in the earth. So if we just look at that phrase in the day of thy power, we may look at that and we will put it off for some day later. In the day of your power. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll relegate the day of his power for a later time. Yes. We'll look at it as a good idea. We look at it as God's plan. We look at it as God's heart. And we look at it, but we just sit there and look at it. And you know, one day, there's going to be a day of his power. You can go through life. You can face situations. You can face trouble. And you may hold on to that scripture in the day of his power. In the day of his power. In the day of his power. 
And because of life, you can be, well, in the day of his power. You can get, well, when is that day coming? And we can get complacent. Today, I want to talk about choosing passion over complacency. Choosing passion over complacency. We can get complacent with the prophetic words that have been spoken over our lives. We can get complacent with the word of God. We can get complacent with what we know to be true in God's word. We can look at it as just good ideas. We can look at it as, and like I said, we just put it off to the side. And and complacency really means to be self-satisfied. That's really what it means. It's, there's really, you know, you know, complacency. There's actually a confidence in complacency. If you, if you look up the word complacency in the, in the Webster's, you look it up in, in dictionary.com, it's going to say, it's, one of the, the synonyms is actually confidence. Meaning you're confident in your self-satisfaction. Meaning you're confident about being the same. You're, you're confident about being settled where you are. And I believe the body of Christ in a lot of ways have just settled with where we are. Complacency can cause you to sleep when you should be awake. The believer, as believers, we should never be complacent or asleep. Proverbs gives great warnings about those that sleep. Proverbs 24, verse 34, I believe it is, is it says, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands. And it said that poverty will come like an armed man. Hmm. Poverty. Loss, deficit. Sleep. Now, now, sleep is good. Rest is good. But it's living a lifestyle of laziness and idleness is a trick of the enemy for you to settle. But according to what we just heard, that, that sleep, the little folding of the hands... See, what is that, the folding of the hands? Meaning, you're folding your hands when your hands should be ready to fight. You're letting things go when you should be holding on to things. You can't hold something if your hands are folded. You can't be ready if your hands are folded. And it says that poverty will come like an armed man. I do not like the sound of that. There's nothing about poverty I like. Poverty is not a blessing. Poverty is a curse. Whoever bought into the lie, a vow of poverty, was totally confused. Because there's nothing in the kingdom of God that involves poverty. And this, but this is what, poverty will come. Meaning, meaning you'll, you'll never, never acquire the increase that you need in your life if you choose to live complacent. We'll never step into where we need to be as a church if we settle for sleep and complacency. There's warning throughout the scriptures. 
There's great warnings throughout the scriptures, the New Testament. Now, I'll read, go to Revelation chapter 3, and I'll get there in just a moment. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. But let me read a couple of these scriptures. You can write them down and go back to them. Let, by every, let every thing be established by two or three witnesses. Ephesians 5 there's an instruction that says, awake, O sleeper. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. He's talking to the church. He says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall shine. Romans 13, 11 says, it's high time now for you to wake out of your sleep. First Thessalonians 5, 6, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us keep wide awake. Jesus instructed the disciples in Luke 21, 36, he says, watch, therefore, and pray always. I think there's more, there's more examples of this, but, but I want you to understand that complacency and sleep can be synonymous with one another. Now, I just want to establish in the day of his power, if we're complacent with that, and we're not pressing into that, it will cause us to be complacent. Now, let's look at, a fee, at Revelations 3. Now, if you understand these first three chapters of Revelations, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not some strange mystery. It tells us at the very beginning that it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. At the end of Revelations chapter 1 and then beginning of Revelations chapter 2, he talks about seven stars. He talks about seven spirits. And, and, and it talks about this one that's talking. He says he's walking through the churches. And the, the seven stars are the seven churches. So this is Jesus specifically talking to us about the churches. This isn't, this isn't a, a um, someday way off in the future. This was currently what's happening in the churches. And he gives warnings. He gives, he gives accolades. He gives encouragements. And he gives warnings all throughout this aspect of these seven churches. And he gets to Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, and the Amplified, it says, Into the angel of the assembly in Sardis write. These are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your record and what you're doing. You're supposed to be alive, but in reality, you're dead. But what is verse 2? Say, rouse yourself and keep awake. So here is an instruction to one of the churches. And he tells them, you're supposed to be alive, but really you're dead. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Are you alive or are you dead? Now, I'm not talking about... Your lungs have air flowing in and out of them. I'm not talking about your, your blood, your, your, the heart of your blood pump pumping blood throughout your body. I'm talking about spiritually. Are you spiritually alive or are you spiritually dead? Because then he equates it and he says, so rouse yourself and keep awake and strengthen and invigorate what remains and is on the point of dying. Meaning, if there's areas of your life, if there's spiritual areas of your life that are about to give out, that you need to strengthen those things, you need to invigorate those things. 
As your pastor this morning, I am, I'm giving you CPR this morning. I'm giving you spiritual CPR this morning, and I'm telling us as a body of believers, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to rouse ourselves and we need to be awake. Then he says this, for I have not found a thing that you have done, any work of yours meeting the requirements of my God. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I don't want to be that man. I don't want us to be that church. He's talking to the churches here. He's talking to the church of Sardis. And I don't want him to say, hey, you know, I'm walking through the church on September 27th. And heritage, you know, you're supposed to be alive, but you're dead. So you need to rouse yourself. Amen. So if we're not cautious, if we're not careful, we can settle for just, yeah, mediocrity, just average. Go to Joel chapter 3, Joel chapter 3, say in the day of his power. If that's just a thought or if that's just a statement that we're using this morning and it's not, it doesn't have an expectancy attached to that, then you know what? We're complacent. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Joel chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Joel chapter 3. Let me read verse 9. He says, proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Prepare war. Say prepare war. war. Wake up the mighty men and let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Let's read this together. Ready, read. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up. You see, so here he's giving a warning. Now, in Joel chapter 2, we know that prophetic scripture that says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh. So now he's getting here into, we know this is prophetic, right? And we know that didn't happen until Acts chapter 2. So, so there must be some other things prophetically that, that the prophet is speaking that's going to happen after in the last days I will pour out my spirit. There's going to have to be a warning that's going to come. And what is the warning? Wake up the mighty men. Who are the mighty men? The mighty men are the men who the spirit of God had been poured out on. Has the spirit of God been poured out on you? Has the Spirit of God been poured out on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? So this same prophetic scripture is, is, it can work for us today. Wake up the mighty men. Look to your neighbor and say, wake up. Look to the other side and say, because you're a mighty man or a mighty woman. <laughs> now I was, I was, we were going through this book with a few interns from the church, an amazing book by Dr. Savell called to battle and destined to win. 
And uh, there's this one chapter in here that's actually called Wake Up the Mighty Men and Women. And, uh, and he, I want you to, wanted to hear what Dr. Savell says in this book, in this chapter. He says, Joel is telling the mighty men and women of God, the great warriors who have gone to sleep to wake up and fight. That, that verse astound, astounded me when I first read it. I was greatly impressed that we cannot play church anymore. This is the day of a great people, and they are called the body of Christ. This is the hour for the church. This is the hour for the mighty warriors of God to wake up. You're a mighty warrior, and it's time for us to wake up. But if we just look at that phrase, the day of his power, and we get complacent with that, then what happens is we let go of the very thing that should actually fuel our passion. Complacency is letting go of passion. He goes on and talks about that we aren't to play church any longer. We aren't to play church any longer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Psalms 110. Psalms 110. I'm going to read verse 1 through 3 again. The Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion... Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauty of holiness. Just hold your place there. I'm going to go somewhere real quick, and you don't need to turn here. But Acts chapter 2, verse 33 says this. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost... He that shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he says unto him, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made, has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So let me ask you a question. Are we waiting for Psalms 110 to be fulfilled or has it already been fulfilled? What does he say? He says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. Who's at his right hand? Jesus. This Jesus whom you call both Lord and Christ. So, so we, we can't put off in the day of his power as someday when. Someday in the future. We, we, we can't put off this day of power as one day soon God's going to show up. We can't put it off that, that you, know, it, you know, in the last days God's going to do something. I, we, we have to come to the place that we have to understand that this is the day of his power. The day of his power is already here. The day of his power is not something that we're waiting on, Vic. The day of his power is here right now, today, with you and me. This is the day of his power. 
So this isn't something that we should be sitting back waiting one day in the future and becoming complacent. Well, I guess one day God's going to show up. One day, you know what? There's going to be a great move. One day, there's going to be a great revival. One day, one day, there's going to be a great... No, no, the day of his power is now. It's just up for you and I to align ourselves with his word and align ourselves with his kingdom and align ourselves with what has already happened. What's already taken place. Thank you, Valinda. I appreciate that. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it says in verse 3, now say this with me. Thy people shall be willing. Thy shall be and for the rest of our time together this morning, I want to, and we're going to go other places with this in, in future weeks, but in this phrase, thy people shall be willing in the day of his power. See, we're in the day of his power. The question is, are we willing? The word willing here means free will. It means to be a volunteer. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Sign me up in the day of his power. Meaning, look no further. I I am ready. And if you look at this, we'll look at this word willing in the, in the Hebrew, in this particular scripture, it actually means to be prompt and ready for military service. If you look it up in the Hebrew, this particular scripture in this word willing here means to be ready and prompt for military service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many people are either in the military or served in the military? Well, you have to be ready, right? You, you, you gave a vow, you gave a commitment, you gave an oath that you would serve this nation, right? So when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, hallelujah, you, 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 you signed, so to speak, you signed up, so to speak, and said, I'm prompt for your service, Lord, here I am. Being willing, being willing. No, if you're complacent, you're not willing because you're, you're self-satisfied. But passionate people are willing. It's a choice to choose passion over complacency. Go to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. We've had the time to go into some more detail in this, but for the, just for the sake of the story for this morning, we know the children of Israel had a promise before them. And the promise was one, to leave Egypt, go to, go, go, and go worship God. From there, it was to go into a promised land, right? It, it, was, a, it was a land that God had promised them. It was a place, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was, a, it was a place of prosperity. It was a place of abundance. It was a place that was set apart for them. We know that God, we know God told Moses and said, I want you to go out and I want you to scout out the land. And, and I want you to tell us what you see. He, he, you know, it's interesting. It tells them God, Moses never told them to come back and give them a report whether they could take it or not. 
He said, just go see if it's what God said. God didn't ask them if they, to come back and tell us if you could take it or not. He said, just go out and see if it's what God said it was. But yet they come back and you have 12 spies go out and you have 10 come back with a negative report and you have two come back with a positive report. And eventually through a period of time, what happened? They got self-satisfied with being in the wilderness, being fed by manna and being fed by God. But not all of them. There was two of them that weren't satisfied with what was happening. They weren't satisfied with what was happening in the wilderness. See, as, as the church, we're never meant to, to live and stay in a wilderness. We're called to live in the kingdom. We are, we, we've been tran- translated out of the, the, the kingdom of darkness, out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm not to live, I'm not to live in the, in, in the wilderness, I'm to live in the kingdom. And I'm not saying that you don't have challenges, you don't have circumstances that you walk in, walk through in life. But the thing is, is we don't live according to this world. I live according to the kingdom of God. And, And a lot of times I've seen believers just settle and be complacent in life and just be settled with where they are instead of embracing the day of his power. I've done it. But yet there was... A man named Caleb. In Joshua chapter 14. I love that. This, this, this should be your pep talk. If you ever needed a pep talk. This, 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 should, choose, this should cause you to choose passion over complacency every day. Hallelujah. Verse 6 says. Then the children, the King James says, and the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and the Kenizzite said unto him, you know, the thing that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. So Caleb's talking to Joshua. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. I wholly followed the Lord. I wholly followed the Lord. I completely followed the Lord. Thank you, Father. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord. Say, wholly followed the Lord. Completely. Completely. Just don't want to get ahead of myself. Thank you, Lord. Verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Even since the Lord spoke this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. See, complacency will cause you to just wander in life. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. That's 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. 
As my strength was, even so is my strength now for war. For war. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty man for war. Both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. What is he saying? What is, what, why am I bringing this out? Because there was promises laid before the children of God. And it was, and, and it was, and, and for him, this mountain represented his inheritance for him and his family. And he was saying, I want what's mine. Hallelujah. And see, you can take that as it pertains to your personal walk with God. What has God promised you? What has God spoken to you about your life, your ministry, your calling? But also, I want you to declare what has God promised about the church? What has he promised about the last days? What has he promised about the day of his power? I don't know about you, but I want to say, give me that power. I want to walk in that power. I want to see that power. Just as you would say, give me that mountain, Lord. Give us that power. Trust us with that power. Cause us to walk in that power. Hallelujah. But see, complacency will cause us to just wander around and we'll just, you know, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Bless his holy name. But I'm telling you, we are called to be warriors in the body of Christ. Joel said, prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We have to get passionate. We have to be passionate about what God's promised to us personally and what he's promised the church. I think of David and, and David when it, going out against Goliath and, and his brothers come to him and he's talking and David's asking questions and, 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 and all these things going on and his brother says, says, you know, what are you doing? Who are you? And, and, and what are you doing here? And and that you would leave the father's sheep. And what are you doing? And all of a sudden, David just gets upset. And he goes, is there not a cause? He goes on. And it, and it said they continue to say things. They continue to say things. And he continued to communicate the same thing. Is there not a cause? Is there, is there not a cause? And, and see, that's what a person of passion does. Is there not a cause? Is, is, there's not a, is, there, not, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause for me to be holy? Is there not a cause for me to stand upon the word? Is there not a cause? See, see, the thing is, is as believers, we have a cause. And the cause is the Lord Jesus Christ. The cause is the glory of God. The cause is bringing Jesus back. The cause is, is being a voice in the midst of darkness. The cause is being a voice in the wilderness. The cause. But see, if you just settle for complacency, you'll never step into the cause of the church. And we have the calls as a church. This is the day of his power. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing? Joshua and Caleb were willing. David was willing. Being prompt for military service. This is the day of his power. Hallelujah. This is the day of his power. Are you willing? It says, thy people will be willing in the day of of his power. Yes, if we really understood that this was the day of his power, you would never miss church another day in your life. Yes, 
If you really realized this was the day of his power, you wouldn't let petty offenses keep you from the house of God. If we really realized this was the day of his power, I'm telling you, the things in this world would, would, would pale. The things of this world would no longer have any effect on your life. Why? Because you know that this is the day of his power. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The day of his power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The day of his power. Are you ready for military service? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I have so, so much more to say, and I'm running out of time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. There's so many things I could talk about, about being willing, but... Where does it where does it begin? Where does it begin? It begins with a heart decision. Willingness is a heart decision. Willingness sometimes might be a sacrifice and a choice, but eventually it becomes what fuels your life. Only way I you know equate this word willing in the best way, and some of you heard me preach on this. When that leper, leprous man came to Jesus and says, I know, you're, I know you can, but will, if, you, if you will, it, will you heal me? And what does Jesus say? Jesus said, I will. And that word defined, I will, will speaks of desire. It speaks of love. It speaks of compassion. And, and how that word, when Jesus said, I will, ultimately, this is how it translates. He's saying, it's what I like to do. When Jesus said, I will, he's saying, it's what I like to do. When the, when the centurion came to him and he said, and he said, my servant's sick, you know, and Jesus said, I will come and heal him. It wasn't just, you know, I'm going to do that. No, Jesus is saying, it's what I like to do. So when Jesus said, I, when, when it says, it, thy willing, my people would be willing in the day of thy power, meaning it, it's what we like to do. We like, it's what we like to do. And there's, if I look back on my life, there's nothing more rewarding than to be used by God. To know that you're being an instrument that God can flow through. Yes. Years ago, Dr. Savell, and I may speak on this in a, in a few weeks from now, but Dr. Savell spoke a message, and I believe it was in December of 1999, and he talked about becoming vessels of honor and instruments of revival. You know, you and I were instruments of revival. But it begins somewhere. That willingness starts somewhere, and it starts with a heart, with the heart. Choosing passion over complacency is a choice of the heart. Let me close with this. Go to Joshua chapter 3. And I'm not able to get through everything today, but I believe we did exactly what we were supposed to do. You receive in the word this morning. Hallelujah. Thy people shall be willing in the day 
of thy power. So where does it all start? It's a heart decision. It's about, it all begins with a choice to go deeper in your relationship with God. It all starts about with a decision to go deeper in your relationship with God. Revival is birth out of a deeper relationship with God. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. Now, now get a picture of this. The children of Israel have been waiting for years. Joshua and Caleb have been waiting for years to go into the promised land. In verse 3, he says, Commanding the people, I'm going to read the Amplified, Commanding the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being born by the Levitical priests, set out from where you are and follow it. Yet a space must be kept between you and it about 2,000 cubits of measure. Don't come near it that you may be able to see the ark, that you may know the way you must go, for you have not passed this way before. I love this scripture. What is he saying? He's saying, because see, what happens is complacency is self-satisfied. Complacency is, is getting out ahead of God. Or complacency is doing it your own way. But what is, what is God telling Joshua? He goes, keep the Ark of the Covenant out in front of you. What's the Ark represents? It represents the Word of God. That's where the, the Ten Commandments were kept. The law of God. It's, it's where the, it represented the glory of God. The presence of God. It represented signs and wonders. It had Aaron's rod that budded. So it represents all these different things. So what is God saying to Joshua? But what is he saying to us through this? He is saying, keep the word of God and the presence of God in front of you. Why? Because you haven't gone this way before. There's some places that God wants to take you in him, but it's not going to come by doing, being complacent and it's not going to come by doing things the way you've always done them. Revival doesn't come by being complacent. Them going into the promised land wasn't going to come by them being complacent. Caleb getting that mountain wasn't going to come by being complacent. So keep it out in front of you. And then he says this, and this is, I'll close with this. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. That is, separate yourselves for a special, special holy purpose. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Separate yourselves for a special holy purpose. For, for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself. Joshua couldn't sanctify them. Dr. Savell, Miss Carolyn, Pastor Justin, Annette, we don't sanctify you. But that thought, in Joel chapter 3, when he says, prepare war. If you look at that word prepare, in my Bible, it has a letter, and you take it down, and it says sanctify. Meaning, set yourself apart for battle, and wake up the mighty men. And here he says, sanctify yourself, yourself. Set apart yourself. That's a choice. And what does he say? And tomorrow, 
He'll do wonders among you. It's what we choose to do today. It's when we sanctify ourselves and set apart ourselves for a holy purpose, for God to work in our lives that will cause us to see signs and wonders tomorrow. It's what you separate yourself to today that will cause you to walk in the fruit of that choice. So when he says, sanctify yourselves today and tomorrow, you're going to see wonders. I believe this is a key to revival. That as we as believers are willing in the day of his power, willingness starts with sanctifying yourself. Lord, I want you more than anything else. I want you, I want your word more than anything else. I want your presence more than anything else. I want to fulfill my calling on my life more than anything else. I want to be a worshiper more than anything else. I want to be among God's people more than anything else. We're in a season where there can't be anything else. Anything else. Everything else is a distraction. I know these might be hard statements. And, but I'm, I encourage you. This is just really strong in me. That the people would be willing in the day of thy power. Are you willing? Just lift your hands. Just say, I'm willing. Willingness, like I said, starts with separating yourself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for willingness. As, we, as you see our hands up today, Father, I thank you that you're seeing willing hearts. See, this isn't about are you perfect enough for God. All he's, all he's asking for this morning is are you willing to go deeper? Are you willing to go deeper? It's not that you, you've done everything right and, and you've crossed all your T's, dotted all your I's. It's not, has anything to do with that. It all starts with the willingness. Yes. A willingness, a willingness. Oh, Father, I thank you that we would be a church that's willing in the day of your power to do whatever it takes to speak to whoever you tell us to speak to, to go wherever you tell us to go. To lay hands on anyone you tell us to lay hands on. To witness to anyone you tell us to witness to. That we surrender today. Sanctifying ourselves today is really surrendering ourselves. So we can see greater things tomorrow. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. There's rewards. There's rewards. To surrender. 
There's rewards to sanctifying ourselves. We rejoice with the thought of breakthrough. We rejoice with the thought of going into the promised land. We rejoice with the thought of seeing God's power in amazing ways. But do we rejoice in sanctification? Do you sanctify yourself today? You know, it's a daily thing. Now, as I close, some good news for you. Things that the children of Israel had waited years and years and years and years to walk in. The next day, they stepped into their promised land. What is going to happen in your life? What is going to happen in this church when we sanctify ourselves? And for the children of Israel, they stepped into the promise. They saw the reds. They saw the, that sea part. That next day, as soon as the priests put their feet in the water, it said the waters went back. What are we going to see when we set ourselves apart? Choosing passion over complacency. Give him a shout of praise for the word today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.